What's up, everybody? Welcome back to more Shooting the Schmidt. Sorry for the lack of uploads here recently. I've just been really busy. Started, you know, a summer class. Still trying to kind of figure out what my schedule and things like that are kind of going to look like going forward. So I apologize for that, for not being on top of everything. So what I want to start with today is some news that dropped, I guess, earlier this week, right? The Titans acquire Julio Jones and people are really excited about this for for good reason as well you know like he's you know in my opinion he's the best receiver in the league has been for you know a few years and like this offense is going to be awesome you know Ryan Tannehill has really emerged as a solid quarterback since leaving Miami and joining the Titans and now you know you got Derrick Henry in the backfield who's one of the best running backs in the league you got Julio Jones on the outside who is the best receiver in the league. Yeah, A.J. Brown on the other side, who's a young, dynamic receiver. And I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, and I found this, mind not mind-blowing stat, you know, you probably could have guessed a lot of these, but just, it really kind of puts in perspective what this offense is going to look like. So, against a six-man box, Derrick, Derrick Henry has averaged 5.3 yards per rush over the last two years, which is insane he only gets you know about 4.3 rushes per game against a six-man box but still that's incredible five yards of carry in the NFL is is it's ridiculous to say the least against a seven-man box AJ Brown over the last three years is averaging a league high 4.3 yard receiving yards per route run against a seven-man box and against an eight-man box over the last five years Julio Jones has 634 receiving yards which is 163 more than anybody else. Okay, He's averaging 4.7 yards per route against eight-man fronts, which is the best of any wide receiver with 100-plus of those routes run, which is insane. So it doesn't really matter what you do against this team. They're going to have an answer to to whatever defense you're running, whether it's six, seven, eight, or, or eight-man box. Obviously, you know you only leave six or seven in the box. Terry Cameron's going to run the ball. You pack it in with eight. They're going to be able to, to spread it out and throw it. And... People are excited, and they should be, as I said. But I I don't want to rain on the parade, because I'm excited to watch this team play as well. They're going to be one of the most entertaining teams in the league. But, you know, I was watching some, some ESPN the other day, and they had Kendrick Perkins on, and look, he's a basketball guy. They let him give his opinion on football. Maybe that's where the, the mistake was made. But anyway, he came out and said that he thinks that the Titans are going to win the Super Bowl because they added Julio Jones. And things aren't going to change that much for the Titans on offense. And that's what I think people are missing here. So if you look at their numbers from last year, they're fourth in the league in scoring at just under 30 points per game. And they're fifth in the league in yards per game at 385, which is really impressive, right? Like their offense was up there with teams like, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo. And so, like, they, they can score, they can move the ball. And look, you know, when you run the ball as much as they do, the fact they're putting up th- almost 30 points per game is absolutely ridiculous, okay? And, yeah, so, like, their their ability to move the football and score points isn't going to change. Like, they're, they're going to put up points just like they did last year. Their problem was on the defensive side of, of the ball. They were 24th in scoring defense last year, giving up 27 points per game. That's not good. Okay, to put it in perspective, the Atlanta Falcons, we all know how bad their, their defense is, was 18th in the NFL in, in points per game. They were 29th in yards per game. That is third worst in the NFL. They gave up just under 400 yards per game at 398. That is 
absolutely terrible. They they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Teams scored touchdowns in the red zone 68% of the time against the Titans last year. That's third worst in the league. And the real kicker here, they had the worst third down defense in the NFL last year. Teams converted 52% of their third downs against the Titans last year. That's awful. Okay, and that's why that's why they couldn't beat the Chiefs. They 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 couldn't get off the field on third down. And look, you know, like you can play fantastic defense on first and second down, but you know, if you can't get a stop on third down, then then you're not gonna beat anybody. You're just not. And so what Tennessee really needed was some kind of pass rusher, right? And when you look at their draft, you know, they drafted Caleb Farley in the first round. You know, he's got some injury problems. He's a defensive back out of Virginia Tech. I mean, you know, he's got some potential. Like, he could be a really good player. We don't know. He's coming off some injury stuff. That could help, but they, they don't have they don't have a pass rush. And so I went through. I was looking at all their offseason transactions. Didn't really add anybody. You know, they signed a few defensive linemen, but most of most of the guys I think are probably going to end up on the practice squad. Like, they signed one guy who'd never even played a game. Um, you know, they had another guy who'd played for three or four years, only had like three and a half sacks. You know, they, they signed a defensive lineman from Indy last year who had seven and a half sacks last year. So there's some promise there, but they they don't have any elite pass rusher. And, you know, if you're if you're going to win the Super Bowl, like you got you had to have some kind of elite pass rushing presence. If you don't have that, then you gotta have some kind of then you better have a really freaking good secondary, which I don't think they really have that either. And so it's going to be interesting to kind of see what they do going forward because, look, like the, t- like the Titans, that's a really smart organization, right? They know what they're doing. But at the same time, like, I don't know really where they're going to go from here, right? You know, they, they just gave up a second-round pick to get Julio. Who knows really what they're going to do next to acquire this pass rush? Because, like, like I said, like, this is a really smart or- organization. They know that they need a pass rusher. You know, they went out last year. They signed Jadavion Clowney. He didn't produce for them. You know he's gone now. They they didn't resign him, and yeah, so they they have to address this in some way, shape, or form. You know they'll probably go out sometime before the trade deadline, maybe and try and sign somebody. Maybe they'll try to make another trade before the season starts. We'll see. You know who? I don't really know what all they're going to do. I do believe Jadavion Clowney hasn't signed though. I do believe that he is still an available free agent. But at the same time, like they knew what they got with him last year. I wouldn't resign him. He wasn't very good last year. One very good the year before that either with Seattle. So and we'll see. It's going to be kind of an interesting thing to kind of see what the Titans do going forward. And, yeah, so, yeah, I'm excited. You know, I don't want it you know, come off like I'm just absolutely hate this trade. Like I said, anytime you can add a guy like Julio Jones, you want to do that, especially if you're only giving up like a second-round pick. You know, DeAndre Hopkins came out. And was like, I want you to show me a second round pick who can give you what me and Julio give you. You know, it's just DeAndre Hopkins reminding, you know, he's never going to let people forget he was traded for a second round pick. And uh, show me a first round pick who can do what, what those two guys do, right? And so, yeah, it's like, I'm glad that, like, the Titans made this trade. I think it was a good trade. I just don't think that they've really assessed their needs yet this offseason. And that is kind of where, that is where my concern is. And so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how Mike Vrabel navigates around that I mean you can try to outscore people I guess I think it's it would be hard to do right especially in the AFC like imagine trying to outscore the Chiefs when you play them in the playoffs that that would be kind of tough imagine trying to outscore the Bills when you see them in the playoffs 
Like, there's some teams in the AFC who can really score, and so this idea of trying to outscore them, I think, is going to be tough. So they're, they're going to have to do something to add some kind of elite pass rusher here at some point in the near future. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go NBA the rest of the way. And, yeah, actually, one thing real quick. I'm not going to cut it quite yet. Aaron Rodgers, he's holding out. He's not coming back. Green Bay, go ahead, trade him. I don't think he's coming back. He's made plenty of money. You know, he can pay all the fines. It's time, like, for Green Bay to move on. Aaron Rodgers is ready to move on. So, like, let's all just move on, right? Like, let's get Aaron Rodgers somewhere where he can actually win a Super Bowl. Like, let's get Aaron Rodgers somewhere where they have a GM who actually, you know, wants to help him and see how much fun that would be, right? So, Green Bay, it's time. It's time, okay? Trade away Aaron Rodgers. Like, I promise, like, you're going to be fine, okay? You know, you took Jordan Love in the first round for a reason, right? And surely it wasn't to sit him for three or four years. So, like, let's like let's see what Jordan Love's got, right? You know, Matt Matt LaFleur seems, you know, pretty okay with it, right? Like, they're going to prepare whether he's there or not. So, yeah, I, I want to see Jordan Love personally. So, I, I want them to trade Aaron Rodgers. I want to see the train wreck that happens when they start Jordan Love week one. So, hopefully, you know, Green Bay will trade Aaron Rodgers here soon. And yeah, if they do, it'll it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what happens there. So now we will take a short break, and then and then we'll be back. We're going to go into the NBA playoffs, and yeah, I'm excited. Should be good. You know, we're going to talk about these teams that have been eliminated. Where do they go from here? We're going to look at teams in the series remaining. Who looks good? And yeah, I'm excited. So don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back with more shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more shooting the Schmidt. Moving on here to the NBA. NBA playoffs are going on. They've been, you know, the first round was good, really interesting. You know, we had the Dallas and LA series that was great to watch. You know, it was a really entertaining first round. Second round hasn't been quite as entertaining, but before we get into that, we're going to do a short little segment here on what these eliminated playoff teams need to do going forward. So, Wizards, tear it down and restart. Like, let's be honest here. Like, you wouldn't have made the playoffs if it wasn't for Russell Russell Westbrook being so committed to playing hard every night. Tear it down. Like, it's time. Restart. Trade Bradley Beal. You can get a ton in return for him. It's like, it's time, okay? Fire Scott Brooks while you're at it. He's just not a very good NBA head coach. Like, move on. Like, let's, let's restart, okay? Let's accumulate draft picks and... See if you can get lucky somewhere in the draft. Because, like, that's that's how you're going to do it, right? Because let's be honest. Wizards, you're not going to attract free agents like the Lakers or I almost said the Knicks. Like, you're not some super hot free agency destination, okay? So your chance of being great is to get lucky in in the draft. So, like, let's shoot for that, right? Let's, let's trade away Bradley Beal. Let's accumulate a bunch of picks and... Let's see, you know, if if we can strike gold in the draft. That's what the Wizards need to do. Now, the other eight seed, the Grizzlies, continue to develop your young talents. Like, let's be honest here. Like, this is a really good young core between Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, you know, Dylan Brooks. They've got guys who come off the bench. This is a really deep team for as young as they are. And so, like, just continue to develop these young guys and... Wins in the playoffs will come, right? And, you know, I'm excited, you know, to kind of see, especially what happens with John Morant going forward. 
I love that guy. Like that dude is a certified bucket getter. Dude is not afraid. That whole team is just completely fearless, and I absolutely love that about them. Right. So let's move on to the seven seeds, the Lakers and the Celtics. Same thing for both. Get healthy and add a dynamic point guard. I, th- I think that's what both teams really need for for different reasons. Let's start with the Lakers. So look, Anthony Davis gets hurt. You know, as soon as he got hurt, I think everybody kind of knew series is over. LeBron, you know, playing the whole thing with, you know, a twisted ankle that and he he is older. And, you know, I've talked about this before. You know, I think he's kind of on his decline, and I think something that would help him is having another guard who can bring the ball to the floor, who you can run the offense through, right? I think from, especially for like the first three quarters, right? So they can go out, they can go get Kimball Walker, who is capable of doing that through three quarters, and then then in the fourth quarter, you know, you you give it to LeBron, you let Kimba play off the ball, He's a good enough shooter that he can do that. And then you let LeBron just be LeBron for those last 12 minutes. And you ask him to do what LeBron does for a shorter amount of time as opposed to, you know, for 38 minutes a night, right? So I, th- I think that that would be really important for them. Obviously, Anthony Davis really needs to get healthy. And, you know, obviously the Lakers don't have to go get Kimball Walker. You know, I'm going to get to the Trailblazers here in a minute. But Damian, Damian Lillard could be on the move, right? Like, Trailblazers, you, you could be in a position to tear it down and start over. We'll, we'll see. So, yeah, go get, you know, Kimball Walker. Go get Damian Lillard. Go get some some kind of point guard who can take some of the pressure off LeBron of having to create every single thing that happens for the Lakers. Now, the Celtics. Same thing, get healthy. You know, Jalen Brown had, you know, the, the knee surgery, or excuse me, the, the wrist surgery. So he'll be back next year. They'll be better just because of that. <clears throat> they need to add a dynamic point guard as well. Like, I would love it if they tried to make a trade for Damian Lillard. Don't resign Kimba. He doesn't really fit. I think that they need someone a little bit more dynamic than what Kimba Walker is. And, yeah, because they need someone who can do it for four quarters, not just for you know, three, kind of like what the Lakers would need. So for the Celtics, like, go add some kind of dynamic point guard, dare I say Terry Rozier. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. And, but yeah, I, I think that's really kind of what they need. They need someone that they can run their offense through. Obviously, you know, they're looking for a new head coach right now with Danny Ainge stepping down. And I'm blanking on their head coach's name. Oh, my gosh, I can see his face. Oh, man, why can't I remember his name? Anyway, their former head coach stepping up to be president of basketball operations. You know, he, you know they're going to look, they're going to hire a new head coach. And then we'll kind of see what things kind of look like there. And yeah, so Lakers Celtics get healthy and add a dynamic point guard. Trailblazers, tear it down and start over. Okay, like you had a good run. You know, you made the Western Conference Finals. But y'all just aren't good enough, right? Especially right now when you look at teams like the Nets. When you look at the Nuggets with a healthy, when they're healthy, like like they, they got beat by the Nuggets when the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. Like imagine if the Nuggets did have Jamal Murray, right? Like this team just, they're just not really good enough. They're they're just, they're, they're not good enough. Like, so it's time, tear it down, start over, you know, find, strike gold again in the draft if you can. But yeah, trade, trade Willard, accumulate draft picks. Try and start over again here in the draft. The other six seed, the Heat. Develop your young talent and find a second star to put beside Jimmy Butler. Like that's 
You know, like that's what you need to do, right? You know, Bam Adebayo has shown promise on both ends of the floor. Tyler Hero had his, you know, moments in the bubble. Duncan Robinson's a proven knockdown shooter. So continue to develop those guys and then find a second star to bring alongside Jimmy Butler. Because, like, I like Jimmy Butler. He's 32. So his window is kind of shrinking. So go, you know, go out in free agency this year. Go find a guy. The fact that they could have had James Harden and they passed on him to hold on to Tyler Hero still really upsets me. Because if they had James Harden, this team would have been a certified championship contending team. Just simply off of the fact that they would have had a guy in James Harden who could score and the defenders that they would have had around him. Like I feel like that's an environment James Harden really could have thrived in. Like he'd have been great in, in an environment like that. You know, the Knicks, the four seed out in the East. Look, Knicks, you had a great year. Like, don't freak out because you got beat in the first round. But a really good Hawks team. Like that Hawks team just went on the road and beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Like that's really hard to do. So Knicks, develop RJ Barrett. I I really liked him this year. You know, he made a big jump from last year to this year, especially in terms of his ability to shoot the ball. I believe he shot 38% from three, which is a huge upgrade from last year. <clears throat> Julius Randle has developed he developed really nicely. But they they need to find a true number one. Like I really like Julius Randle. I like what he does. I like what he brings to the game. But they've got to find <clears throat> some they they need a number one. Right, and after this year, they're really attractive now, right? Like, they've got good young talent. They've got guys who play hard. they got guys who play defense. They have a really good head coach. So the Knicks, like, it's an attractive place to go play, right? And people were able to see what Knicks basketball looks like when fans are there and people are engaged and the city is excited. So, you know, it's it's a much more attractive place to go and play now due to the players that they have to the fact they have Tom Tom Thibodeau and these guys. So the Knicks develop RJ Barrett, find a second star to put to put beside Julius Randle, and I think that you'll have a really, really good basketball team. Finally, the Dallas Mavericks. Trade Porzingis. Like that is that should be the first thing on your list. He doesn't fit the system, right? I know he's a stretch five who can shoot the ball, but He's clearly not happy being, you know, the second fiddle to what Luka is. So they need to find they they just need they need to do something to get him out. I know he's got a tough contract to trade, especially with the way that he's played. And then they need to find a second star to, to put beside Luka. Like that's you know, I think it's pretty simple. They need, they need another guy who can really handle the ball. They need a guy who can catch and shoot. <clears throat> think of like a, a Chris Middleton kind of guy. That is that is exactly what Dallas should look for. Like the Mavericks need a Chris Middleton kind of player, right? A guy who can handle the ball when he needs to, a guy who can catch and shoot, and a guy who can play defense. You know, Chris Middleton would <clears throat> be an absolutely perfect fit for the Dallas Mavericks. You know, if the Bucks decide to blow it up after they get swept by the Nets, then maybe you know you uh, you can go get him. So. That's going to do it for this segment. We're going to take a short break. I need to clear my throat, as you can tell, because you've been listening to me talk. <laughs> and um, so we're, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to look at the current series that are going on, right? We're going to look at <clears throat> the Suns and the Nuggets. We're going to look at the 76ers and the Hawks, the Nets and the Bucks, and the Jazz and the Clippers. We're going to kind of go in depth in those series. So don't go anywhere. 
You don't want to miss it. This is Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with the final segment of today's show. Remaining playoff series. So there's there's four playoff series that are still going on. And none of them have really been super entertaining, which is kind of a disappointment. So we got the Suns and the Nuggets. Suns lead 2-0. to zero. Suns are clearly better, you know. I, even if the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, I don't think it would really matter. You know, the Suns, they're just so good defensively. And the stuff Chris Paul's been doing, especially down the stretch in the series, now that he's actually, you know, fully healthy, has just been, it's been nothing short of spectacular, right? You know, his ability just to take over the game for, you know, a two or three minute stretch is, you know, it's, it's crazy, you know, especially at his age and his size, like, you know, last night he, when he ISOed against Paul Billsap, it was just, oh, it was so much fun to watch. And, you know, his ability to just get to his spot whenever he wants is, it's impressive, right? You know, and, you know, this Suns team, they're a lot of fun to watch. Devin Booker, you know, I think people are finally really kind of getting to see what he does, and that's score the basketball. Like, this dude can absolutely score. And so it's been great, you know, getting to watch him play. You know, DeAndre Ayton is really coming into his own as well. Like, he's played really well throughout these playoffs. And, yeah, so... You know, he's not a disappointment like Marvin Bagley, you know, the number two overall pick from that year. And, I mean, there's just they're just so much fun, you know, to watch Bo- both of these teams, like Jokic included. And, yeah, but, look, like the Suns lead 2-0. The Nuggets will probably take game three just because they're going to be more invested than, than the Suns are. But, I mean, like the Suns, they, I you know, I said Suns in six before the series started. You know, they, they may beat them in five. I mean, like, I, this is a real mismatch here. You know, I really wish the Nuggets had Jamal Murray because I do think, you know, it would definitely go six at that point, maybe even seven. But they don't, you know, and, you know, it sucks that, that they don't have them. So, 76ers and Hawks series is t- currently tied at one-to-one. This series, this has been the most, you know, interesting of all of them. You know, the famous saying, the series doesn't start until somebody loses at home. And... You know that obviously, you know that happened with, with the, um, with the Seventy Sixers getting beat. Sorry, I'm laughing. I, I Tyree Appleby, you know, buddy of mine. You know, I asked him if he thought anybody could beat the Nets, and he said, "Hell no." <laughs> so yeah, there's 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 Tyree's take. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, back to the um, the Seventy Sixers and the Hawks. You know, this series is fun. You know, this Atlanta Hawks team, they're young. They are, they're young. They're fearless. You know, I, everybody, I think, loves Trey Young at this point, right? Like, we, correction, people love how Trey Young has embraced the role of being a villain. That's probably the most better way to say that. So, you know, everybody kind of loves how he's embraced this role of being a villain and things like that. But at the same time, but at the same time, you know, they've, it's been just a lot of fun to watch this series. You know, Joel Embiid, hearing him on the mic the other night was awesome, getting to kind of hear how much he cares and how badly he wants to win. Yeah, I think it's awesome. He went for 40 in Game 2. That was a lot of fun to watch. And, yeah, so like this series has definitely been the most entertaining. You know, it's the one that I've enjoyed watching the most. And yeah, it's been a surprisingly good series. You know, I thought the 76ers would make quick work of the Hawks. 
you know, I figured that at some point the Hawks' youth would kind of catch up to him. And, you know, it hasn't yet. You know, they're they're in position to really kind of take a commanding lead here in this series. That They could go up 3-1 if they can hold serve at home. Which, you know, if we get a Hawks-Nets Eastern Conference Finals, that's going to be not a lot of fun. <laughs> that won't be much fun to watch. So, I'm, in terms of watchability, pulling from the 76ers, but I, I would, wouldn't mind seeing the upset either with the Hawks. You know, Trey Young's really kind of coming into his own here. So, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch. So speaking of the Nets, let's just get this over with. I had the Bucks in six. Yeah, I was wrong. Point blank. No shot that the Bucks are winning. Oh, they may not they, they, they may win tonight just because the Nets are gonna probably check out a little bit mentally. But man, I just I, there's no way. There's no they this, this series is over. The Nets they're just better. It's really impressive, you know, what Steve Nash has done from a coaching standpoint with this team. The way he's been able to mix and match lineups, especially with all the injuries that that they've had. I mean, I, I thought this was going to be the most entertaining series of the playoffs, and it is. It is not. It has not been in the slightest. You know, the Nets have just absolutely demolished this Bucks team. You know, they're they're going to beat them so badly that, you know, the Bucks are going to blow it up and possibly, you know, start over. We'll see what they do with Giannis and Middleton and these guys. But, I mean, man, it is just, it is a total beatdown just across the board. I don't really know what the Bucks can do. Like, they're not defending well. Obviously, part of that is because of how great this Nets offense is. Blake Griffin has torn the Bucks up, like, which is just... You know, if I had to bet on anybody tearing up the Bucks, it would not have been, it would not have been Blake Griffin. And so, I mean, it is just, it's just been so surprising, you know, to kind of see how badly the Bucks are getting beat by the Nets. You know, this is two years in a row. You know, last year the Bucks got dismantled by the Heat, and now you know it's it's the Nets' turn, right? So. I mean, this is just ridiculous. I you're probably looking at a sweep. Like if I had to bet on anything, I would take the Nets in a sweep. Bucks may get one game. We'll see, but it's probably going to be a sweep. The final series. This is this this the one game that this series has gone. The Jazz and the Clippers was absolutely awesome. Came down to a final shot. Rudy Gobert, the your defensive player of the year. I mean, you know he was awesome. You know down down the stretch there blocking the. A potential game-tying three for Marcus Morris. Still don't know why Marcus Morris didn't do the uh, patented jump underneath the guy. You know, when, when he got Gobert off his feet on the first pump fake, I thought for sure that that, that was what was going to come next. But he didn't. He opted for, for the sidestep, and then he, he got he got blocked. So, yeah, this series, I, I had the Clippers winning in six. I feel even more confident after game one. Like, they played really well. Jazz just shot the ball extremely well, which is what the Utah Jazz do. But the Clippers looks really good coming off of short rest, whereas the Jazz had a longer break. I still like the Clippers to win this series in six. They're the better team. I just think it's that simple. They're just the better team. You know, I think, you know, Kawhi Leonard's the best player on the floor. When Paul George is right, I think he's just as good as Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, I think, still has a little bit more development kind of that needs to happen with that being said he's a great player I don't want people to think I'm out here hating on Donovan Mitchell like that dude's you know a certified stud the guy can absolutely ball but you know so so can Paul George though I, I think that you know the pandemic peace stuff kind of gets in the way of people seeing how good of a basketball player Paul George really is especially on both ends 
of the floor. Like this Clippers team, they can still defend. I think they match up better with the Jazz than what than what they did with the Mavericks. So you know they're actually able to play Zubac, Patrick Beverly's actually able to get some minutes. So I I still like the Clippers to win this series in six. You know, against a really good Jazz team, right? You know, I think a lot of people like the Clippers to win this series. I think a lot of people think the Jazz are kind of fake, and I'm I'm with them. You know, I just don't think that the way that they play ball is going to really last for them going forward in the playoffs, especially when they play against teams like the Clippers, who who defend really really well, right? So, but we'll see. Their game two is tonight, and then game three of the Nets and Bucks is also tonight. I, I like the Clippers to win tonight. I like the Nets to win tonight. You know, I think both will cover. I think. I think the Nets are like four point underdogs. No, no, no. the Clippers are four point underdogs, and the Nets are two point underdogs. Like, so I'm I'm taking the dogs in both games here. So we'll see what happens. I'm really excited for it. I guess you know we're we're shaping up for a a Nets Suns NBA Finals. That's kind of what it looks like, or a Nets Clippers. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm you know, the playoffs. They've been a lot of fun to watch so far. I'm I'm excited to kind of see where things go from here. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you guys so much for taking your time to listen. Make sure you go over to YouTube. Check out the YouTube page at Shooting the Schmidt. Shooting, yeah, at Shooting the Schmidt. Go check out, you know, my personal Twitter, jschmidt underscore four, if you want to hear more from me. Go check out, you know, the podcast Twitter, uh, Shooting underscore Schmidt. Um, go check out the TikTok at Shooting underscore the underscore Schmidt. And, yeah, so that's that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt, thank you guys once again so much for listening. And yeah, so I'm, you know, I'll be back again here soon. Maybe tomorrow, probably Monday though, with with another episode. So make sure you know you subscribe, follow, and so you don't miss the next episode. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been shooting the Schmidt.